Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Football Social Daily. Premier League Update. Welcome to Football Social Daily from Sports Social. This is the only daily Premier League football podcast. If this is your first time, it's nice to have you. Make sure you click subscribe on the show wherever you find your podcasts. That way you'll get daily news and views on the world's most exciting leagues sent straight to your device every single day. In terms of it being the most exciting league in the world, the Premier League's kind of living up to that billing right now as well because there were massive results at both ends of the table this weekend just gone. Steve McNaughton is here to talk about the top end, no doubt. Buzzing from yesterday's result, Liverpool beating City, Steve? Good evening. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's still on my punchline. (laughs) Yeah, buzzing about yesterday. Um, Tough game at Anfield. Great atmosphere. And um, yeah, it, it... appeared easier than than we thought it was going to be mm. yesterday and I think you know we'll gladly take the, the points there's a, there's a cushion opening up with City it still doesn't feel like it's a big enough cushion at this point but yeah happy no doubt we'll talk about that more shortly we've also got Nama Korn here too aka the moaning lad yes. as he was dubbed by one podcast reviewer the, the other day the moaning in. lad I'll the take moaning that lad. that's as good as a five star as good yeah so today on the show I want to get your views on who is destined for a future in the championship We're a third of the way through the season. Which three sides do these boys think are heading for the drop? We're going to chat about Arsenal's next manager as well. Jose Mourinho rumours seem to have died off a little bit to be replaced by Brendan Rodgers rumours. Could he be moving to the Emirates? (laughs) Is he the right man to fix Arsenal? And we'll get the heroes and villains from the weekend as well. In fact, that's where we're going to start. We're all going to nominate who we think had a good and who had a bad weekend. Who wants to start? Do you want to have a start, Steve? Just so you can get away with... (laughs) Talking about Liverpool for a little bit. <laughs> um, do you know what I'm, I'm going to say hero for me? Well, I've got two heroes, if that's okay. So if you'll indulge me for a minute. Uh, for is he, being, it was the hero of the referee. That uh, was, that was no, not at weekend. all. You know, even though I thought Oliver had a good game yesterday. Um, my hero this weekend, or one of them is, is Fabinho. I thought he was outstanding yesterday. What um, a goal as well. What a strike. Um, top draw. Does it week in, week out for us. Puts the numbers in, puts the shift in. My my second hero of the week is, is uh, Chris Wilder from Sheffield United. Okay. Um, to to go up there and get a point at, at White Hart Lane. Sorry, it's not called White Hart Lane anymore. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. What is, what is it actually? 
called? Is it called Spurs? I think it's called Tottenham, called Tottenham Hotspur I've been calling Stadium. it New White Hart Lane. Well, the reason it's called Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is because Daniel Levy can sell it for naming oh, rights, okay. which apparently is struggling exactly to the do, reason. isn't it? They're struggling to get a, a commercial partner to do that. Mm. But yeah, Chris Wilder, um, you know, Sheffield United, fifth in the table, going to, to White Hart Lane, new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, <laughs> Daniel Levy uh, Arena, uh, and getting a point. You know, that's a great result for them. And Sheffield United continue to astound us. Yeah, doing really well in the league at the moment. Let's talk about Liverpool, as you mentioned, okay. Fabinho. You said, Niall, on Twitter at the weekend, you yeah. wanted one of those clubs, City or Liverpool, to come out of that game and make a statement. Yes. Did Liverpool make that statement? Yes, they did. And I think 3-1 is probably a fair result because City had plenty of chances. Sergio Aguero at the moment, I don't know what's on, what's wrong with him. He could be on 20 goals this season mm. if he could hit the target. I mean, he's still got he's, nine or something like that. I know, he? <laughs> but he's missed plenty of headers uh, that I've seen this season. He just can't score at Anfield. That's 10 games now at Anfield mm. that Sergio Aguero hasn't found the back of the net, which is stunning. That's 29 visits that Manchester City have made to Anfield and not one. There's just something about Anfield that Manchester City can't get to grips with. But there's a lot of teams that can't get to grips with playing at Anfield. It's the secret to Liverpool's success, isn't it, that home for? Well, I, I, you could say that, I suppose. But the secret to Liverpool's success is just how relentless they are. Mm. They're so relentless. And if you're thinking about Liverpool's front three, who are arguably right now the best front three on the planet, you're looking at Salah, who by his standards of a couple of years ago isn't exactly having a lightning season, but he's still a very good player. Firmino is the one that glues it all together and arguably is the most important of the three. Mane right now could be the best player in the Premier League, if not in the world on current form. And whilst your defenders are occupied thinking about those three, you've also got Trent Alexander-Arnold on one side and Andy Robertson on the other just banging crosses in. And if they don't get the ball, as we saw yesterday, Henderson's the one putting balls into the box. The game came so, at a very bad time for City. We've got to remember that. Did it? I think I mean, they have got a lot of injuries. And you look at the defence they had playing yesterday, from goalkeeper to the back four as well. And that was probably second string right the way across. Yeah, we could argue they never replaced the man sat in the Sky Sports studio, Vincent Company. Yeah. Does anyone here think that Pep Guardiola made a serious error in judgment? And Absolutely. all the, the omnipotent Pep, we can't criticise him because he's the best manager ever. That's what City fans will tell you. I'm not trying to rattle City fans here at all. I'm just saying, for whatever reason, because Pep's been so successful, it's almost like he's immune to this criticism or he's like, we're not allowed to say bad things or negative critical things about him. Mm. I think he made Jose an error Mourinho, in judgment. Jose by, Mourinho is one of the most it. successful management mm. managers of the last 20 years. People were laying into him at United, absolutely hammering him because he wasn't winning at the rate that Pep was winning or Klopp was winning. Yesterday, he chose to play Angelino at left-back when he had Benjamin Mendy, who he obviously doesn't fancy. No, which we've talked about before. And of course, he's got injuries. Benjamin Mendy, we know his injury record's rubbish. And he's got João Cancelo, who they paid £60 million for in a swap deal for Danilo. So actually, it was worth more than that if you break it's it down. very strange that he isn't getting the opportunity. And he City. can play at left-back as well. You know, the lad Angelino... Well, this is the point. Did you know, Pep make an error in judgment in his team selection against Liverpool on Sunday? Did he pick the right team? Fernandinho and Stones at centre-back. OK, yeah, his his hands are tied, really, in terms of, of who he can play due to the likes of Laporte being injured, who's clearly their best defender. Mm. But what, what, sort of, what does that say about Otamendi? I think the, that well, he's left Otamendi on the bench but in we, the biggest game of the season. But we've seen Otamendi and we've seen the mistakes he makes. And Fernandinho has been a decent centre-back when he's played in that so far this season. But we, we know David Luiz for Arsenal makes mistakes. Would you drop him in the biggest game of the season? No. Because he's your best defender, or one of. 
Well, no, I think defenders as well. I think if you've got Fernandinho, who has been reliable and who has been better and he's more assured in that position, though, Jim. I think the interest. But he's been playing well in that position against for the, last the likes of, games. of Watford, Southampton, etc., etc. I just think that he did get it wrong yesterday, and I think what's quite interesting is, that, and I'll come to me, me second point in a second on it, is that the lad Angelino got slaughtered yesterday at, at left back. Mm. He had an absolute nightmare. But the positive for Man City going forward is that he is actually really good going forward. He got an and, assist, didn't he? Yeah, for and, he, and, and he got an assist for Bernardo. Mm. So I think there's, there's there's promise there, and he brought him back from the Eredivisie, haven't he? On on that that buyback option. So I think you know he'll have better days that lad. But the Cancelo can play left back, uh, as we know. He don't fancy Mendy. You've spent all that money uh, on fullbacks to make sure that you're not in a situation again where you are exposed. And and he's chose not to do it yesterday, and I think yeah. he's um, you know Bravo's massively let him down yesterday. I think Edison uh, saves Fabinho's goal, uh, even though it's a great strike from Fabinho, and he's like height, just, wasn't it? Uh, That's yeah. what they say. <laughs> Good height for a <laughs> nice keeper. Use of the cliche bell coming in there. Uh, Barely on about, got on the ground on about eight minutes in, uh, but he's uh, yeah he's just. Um, you know, I, I just think he gets it, and I think you know we were right about Mane diving, but it was just that it was a header, uh, and you know Bravo needs to do better uh, at that. And I just think it was an off day. But I, my second point is, I think Pep had already rolled over before the game started, just with his body languages and the conferences, the things he was saying about Liverpool in advance to it, and the fact that he was building Anfield up as this stadium that no one goes to and gets a defeat, and if you concede one, mm. you're expecting to receive. I think he said three or four expecting more. Expecting a loss, maybe. Expecting. So I think he's gone in and lot. You know, I thought, listen, if we can get a draw out with this, I'll be made up. But, you know, they've gone and they've been turned over. When it went 3-0, I thought, Christ, this could be 4-5 mm. today. But, you know, it wasn't to be. We'll still take the three points off yeah. them. But there's a lot for Man City to think about. There was about four penalty shouts for City and none, no one seems to be speaking about them. It wasn't a penalty for me. That. Which one? The, the, the handball. Which, which one? Alleged handball. I think for, I know Jim wants to move on like that, so we, so we will do like. But for me, I, I was more concerned about... In the the build up to that incident, incident, get me teeth in. Lovren has stood on Silver's foot. Mm. Now I've said to you before we come on air, if you look at Brighton, oh, sorry, I said it to one of the guys in the office. If you look at Brighton a couple of weeks ago, Michael Keane conceded a penalty to make it two all for Brighton because he's up in the air and he's looking at the ball. I don't know why I'm doing it like people can see me when I'm doing it in the studio. <laughs> but he's come back and he stood on the guy's foot, the Brighton player. I'm not sure who it was. VAR review penalty. Now. Lovren has done that to Sylvia today and now he's not been looking at the ball but he stood on his foot and I think if Silva makes a bit more of that contact that's your VAR review and that's your penalty but mm. as far as I'm concerned ball comes that hits Silva's arm first onto Trent I haven't seen arm. the incident you're talking about but that doesn't feel like it would be there a was penalty an, there was another handball where it was quite point blank Sterling tried to cross the ball into the box and it hit Alexander-Arnold's arm which was down by his side so you could argue that it, you know he couldn't get his arms out of the way in time but seen him given yeah, we have seen him. You, you're on form today. <laughs> there was a couple of shouts for a penalty, which Manchester City fans are certainly aggrieved about this yeah. morning. Right, well, because we've spent so long on Steve's heroes and villains, we're going to have to rattle through ours, Niall. Who's your hero and your villain from the weekend? Uh, my hero is Christian Pulisic, just because I think what everyone, a signing was, he's looking like. everyone yeah. was saying how Chelsea are going to struggle without Eden Hazard, and they've got two potential replacements in Christian Pulisic and Callum Hudson-Odoi. Frank Lampard's annoyed me slightly because he's not been playing Callum Hudson-Odoi, but that's because <laughs> Christian Pulisic's been playing so well. And uh, Pulisic, who was kept out of Dortmund's team last year by Jadon Sancho, who we know has just been in mercurial form mm. over the last year or two, is really starting to come good in the Premier League, and he looks a really exciting player. Uh, so, yeah, my, my hero would be Pulisic, but um, Chelsea, fair play to them. They're in second place now, eight points off the, off the leaders, Liverpool. Yeah. 
um, level on points with Leicester. And playing some great football as well. Yeah. yeah. This guy said that they'd be okay under Frank Lampard at the start of the season on the there podcast. And I, I, nothing will Blowing change your mind own on trumpet. that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and my villain, sorry. That's <laughs> the cliche well, Yeah, bell. cliche bell, not another one. My villain is, uh, I, don't want, I don't want to steal maybe your villain, Jim, but my villain is Roberto. <laughs> yes. You, have you got the same? 100%. I've said on the podcast a few times he wouldn't look out of place in League One. And as a Portsmouth... I think he would. He's not that good. <laughs> well, there we go. As a, as a Portsmouth fan, I've seen plenty of League One over the last couple of seasons, I can tell you that. So. Yeah. Roberto, for me, I saw him in the flesh uh, the last game I watched uh, West Ham was against Everton uh, three or four weeks ago. And he, even though he didn't do too badly, just didn't look no. good enough. And I think you have to, I'm going to talk about Roberto as my villain anyway. So the, the idea that he conceded those three goals against Newcastle, which you could probably question him for every single one of those, repeats the performance against Burnley. He was at fault for all three goals, almost more. I mean... People had a go at Bravo in his first season for Man City because he didn't save any shots. Every shot on target was a goal. At least he wasn't palming it into his own net like Roberto did at the weekend. I think just West Ham need to make a change in net. And I don't know who you bring in. You've got Nathan Trott, who's a very young, very inexperienced, but very talented goalkeeper. And you've got David, David Martin. Martin. <laughs> Millwall's third choice goalkeeper last season. Well, it's just, you know, beggars belief that the fact that you let, let you, you know, the guy go in summer, didn't you? Ridiculous You choice. know, the fact that, because yeah. he obviously, you know, I'm Adrian. talking about Adrian, mm. and, you know, it just seems bonkers letting him go, to be fair. It was purely based on his wages. I think that was it. It was like he was a very expensive yeah, but it, player to but, have in our squad yeah, for but a Roberto's second choice goalkeeper. Co- Roberto's costing you goals in games, Jim. So exactly. talk about the expense balance yeah. in itself. Out. It's a little bit of foresight league, there. League position dictates what the revenue, uh, you know, is at the end of the season, doesn't it? We mm. have a joint villain in Roberto. Yeah. I like it. So we'll do my hero to round it off. I'm going to have Daniel James, Manchester United's star player season, so yeah. far this season yeah. best Class performance act. of the season against Brighton Class and although that bar's pretty low in terms of Man United's best performances he had another brilliant display and I don't think anyone expected Daniel James to even be playing at this point he's brilliant when he was signed. he's superb he's superb looks like a real talent a real standout player and when he was supposed to be a future prospect considering he's got Three goals, four assists. I don't know the exact stats. You couldn't ask for any more. For that level of cash that was invested in him and the step up required for him, he's, he's ticked every single box while he's been at Man United. And I've yeah. been quite complimentary about him in the past as well. He, he's a lad with a big future and, and you know United are, are heavily reliant on him this season. Right, that's it. Looking at the top of the table, we're going to look at the bottom of the table next. We're going to decide now we are 12 games into the season, one third of the season gone, who we think is going to be facing next season in the Championship. We'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, the death toll is sounding already for some Premier League teams as we look ahead to next season and maybe a season in the Championship for a few teams. Everyone thought it was going to be Newcastle going down. A few people said it was going to be Sheffield United. Apart from you, Niall, you said they were going to stay up well. But it looks like there could be another three names on the relegation shortlist. Tombstone. Yeah, Tombstone, to continue my analogy. Who are we going to say? Who's going to be going down this season? Which three teams do you think are going to be facing life in the Championship next season? I'll let Steve go first on this one, I think. Here we go. Okay, so for me, I think... Drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. (laughs) I think, you know, Norwich are are, are doomed. Mm. 
uh, which is a shame because they come up and they started playing this open, expansive football and they were, there was a bit of surprise and delight there. We thought, oh, you know, this is refreshing because they were having a go after spending a million and a half quid or something like that. In a summer. million pounds spent in the summer. They've not won a game since they amazingly beat Manchester City two months ago or more mm. now and they've not scored a goal on the road since the first day of the season, which was a Friday night at Anfield where they got, they got dusted 4-1. I've so, got to say, Norwich are on my list to going down and after they started like an absolute train at the yeah. beginning of the season, they looked so impressive and as you say, it was exciting, it was expansive, it was quick. The wheels have just come off. What's changed I think at Norwich City? The, the problem Norwich have got and, and I think uh, Daniel Farke is, is, is a decent young manager who is, has got the right kind of philosophy. But I think what his strategy should have been coming into the Premier League is just literally make him difficult to beat, survive, and still be in games in the last 10 or 15 mm. minutes and then try and nick something which they've got mm. that threat. But that was against the philosophy. It was against the philosophy, but you've got to be a realist in these things and yes. you've got to kind of look at the team. I mean, Jesus Christ, Tottenham are 14th, you know, West Ham are 16th. You know, Everton are 15th. That's it. They're in the mix with these teams and they're all... Miles better than Norwich. They're yeah. all miles better than Norwich. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, something's got to change. These, there's got to be a conversation where he goes, actually, we're 12 games in. Um, you know, we're on seven points. We've kind of... We've drawn one of our last six games and lost the rest of them. It may be, tra- you know, time to review what this... You know, our strategy is going into these games. Well, is this a call from the Norwich board then? Because if the current manager isn't going to change his method of playing football, if he has his philosophies no. that he wants, to Norwich need to make a change? No, and they won't sack him. I'll tell you what the problem was, and Steve's right, I mean, you can't really spend a million pounds and expect to stay up in the Premier League when you're competing against the likes of Villa, West Ham and Everton who have all spent big money mm. this summer and are still struggling. They came up too soon. Five-year plan, they were up within two. Mm. And then what do you do? They've announced losses of £38 million for the last financial year, which in football club terms actually probably isn't that much. But they're going to be boosted. The coffers are going to be boosted by the Premier League money this season. Um, last season was their first season in the Championship without Premier League parachute payments. And they managed to get up to the Premier League. Perfect. However, you can't expect to spend a million pounds and stay up. And it's just, I know Norwich fans will be listening to this thinking, we've got injuries, you're not doing us enough credit. We've got a lot of players out, particularly defenders who have got injuries. But if you think of the players coming back, and I mentioned this on yesterday's podcast, for Watford... Although they're really struggling, they've got evident quality there. Premier League players who've been there and done it in mm. the likes of De La Feu and Dini is to yet come to back. come back. And yeah. as a club and as think, well, yeah, Watford are used to that kind of battle. They've been there a few years, haven't yeah. they? And then if you think about Norwich, who have they got coming back? Does anyone actually know? And that's no disrespect to Norwich. You're just thinking, who can come back and make a difference yeah. for them? There's no one really catching They've my They've got eye. to spend a bit of cash in January, haven't if they? If they want to stay up, they're going to have to do it soon and start winning soon. The benefit is their next game is against Everton. You'd also be slightly concerned that other teams are going to cherry-pick some of that talent out the Norwich team in January. So players like Cantwell, who's impressed this season, the young Max fullback Max Ahrens. Yeah, who... used to work with his mum at Global. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Big shout to Amber if she's listening. <laughs> so whether they'll still be at the club over January it's not just strengthening mm. it's keeping hold of what you've got as well so yeah. Norwich so Norwich I think Southampton are going to go down yeah, again Southampton as I, well. I talked about uh, and, and Niall's absolutely buzzing about that <laughs> uh, you know, for the Solent derby um, but he's uh, yeah I just think Southampton are just in this free fall like Norwich are conceded 29 goals it's too, it's too much this season only scored 11 they just it's it's that's got relegation written all over well, it nine of it? those are against Leicester so it's it's what it's, it's Similar to what we've just talked about with Daniel Farke at Norwich, they brought Hassan, Hassan Huttle in to play this kind of German stroke, Austrian, Austrian, can't speak today, Austrian inspired 
gag and press football. Yeah. Uh, again, and they can't execute it properly. And they're getting picked off. I mean, conceding nine against Leicester is an absolute disgrace. You know, no disrespect to Leicester. They're the top team with a top manager, top But they're not they're not nine goals but better than Southampton. But they're not they? nine goals no, better no. than Southampton. So Southampton will go. I think they'll they'll just run out of games because, like I say, you flirt with it for years and you will eventually go. The, the, the next one is is difficult. Uh, I think Watford have got enough to get out of it. I think Villa can can potentially scrape it. I, I've said Newcastle, me, and I'm going to stick with Newcastle. They're uh, two points off the top six, Steve, <laughs> which is amazing. When which you look is amazing. The, if you look I at just the, think... the, the grinder that is that lower mid table, yeah. it's ridiculous. Everyone's beating everyone. So and tight. Even though you know, I kind of tried to make Steve sound a bit stupid there by saying they're two points off the top six. Yeah, thanks but, for he, that. but he's still right. <laughs> yeah. They are still in a relegation fight because yeah. so are all of the teams down there because it's so close. But I think you can see a change. The Steve Bruce philosophy, whatever that philosophy is, seems to be working. They have got three very talented front forward players yeah, as listen. well that can create goals, yeah. even though the goals are coming from defence at the moment for Newcastle. Yeah, I, I just think that when you look at the league table now, they've got Tottenham underneath them who are mm. going to finish higher than them. Yep. They've got Everton underneath them who are going to finish higher than them. They've got West Ham United who I'd expect to finish higher than them. <laughs> uh, and then they've got Villa. So they're in a battle, I think, with Villa and, and Watford for that mm. final position because it's not beyond the realms of possibility for one of them teams to lose three games on the spin. Yeah. Now, if, if Southampton or Norwich lose the three games on the spin, you're like, well, it's par for the course. It's what we've come to expect. But if if Watford, when Troy Deeney comes back and they've got you know they're a bit more they've got a bit more strength about them, if they win three games on the bounce and the other teams that have talked about who should overtake Newcastle at some point, it, that's where my thinking is. I, I hope they don't. I think they're a great mm. Premier League club, excellent fan base. You know, you know, great set of fans to be amongst. Everything is there for Newcastle. Desperately want them to get new owners ASAP because obviously Phil, who's on the podcast. Uh, regular, we don't want him to suffer in the office anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I just think that it's it it you know they're one of them three teams between Watford, Villa, and 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 themselves. And I just think that over, Steve Bruce is always involved in a relegation battle wherever he is, and he, he's escaped a couple of times, but the vast majority of times he's lost the fight and gone down. And I just can't see Newcastle being able to sustain a winning run. Well, you say West Ham should finish above. Newcastle. I'm not entirely sure they will, and I'm actually. I think it's partly reaction from the weekend. Yeah, but I'm, just, you're hurting about it. I'm thinking West Ham are in real trouble now, and we could find ourselves, if not being relegated, certainly in a relegation battle. You look at the games we've got coming up. We've got seven really difficult fixtures over the next few weeks. We've got Spurs, Chelsea, and Wolves are the next three games, and but Spurs and Wolves you can get points out of. If, you can, but not yeah. with the kind of fight that West Ham are showing and at the also, moment. And also form. West Ham have lost four of their last five. Yeah. The other game was a 1-1 draw against Sheffield United. And if you're looking at the teams at the bottom there, Watford, they've only lost one of their last five, three draws and a win uh, out of the other four fixtures. Whereas Southampton and Norwich, again, winless in five with only one draw out of those games. So actually, West Ham United's form is the same as Southampton and Norwich City mm. in the last five games. So that's the concern. And with a game against Spurs next... It's it's almost do or die, isn't it, for West Ham? It's a big London derby against a, a rival side. That's either going to make or break you, isn't it? You're yeah. going to get beaten, or you're going to or you're going to come out with a result, and that can propel you on. And it's very easy to blame Roberto, who's come in and done terribly in net since the injury for Fabianski. But there is more than that. I think it's it's the depth of the team. Yeah, and Lanzini's most, a miss, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and most teams, when you've got players underperforming and seemingly putting 
I mean, I, I hate the whole accusation where people say when the team's doing badly, it's a lack of effort from the players, it's a lack of application. Nobody goes I don't out really to lose, believe, do they? No, no, exactly. I don't really believe that. But certainly, I think you have too many players hitting bad form at a certain amount of time, and there is no depth to West Ham's squad that yeah. can come in and freshen it up. What I would say as well is if we talk about West Ham's form, think of the three teams that West Ham have beaten in the Premier League this season. One of them was Manchester United, which was a good win, a 2-0 win over yeah. a Manchester United side who certainly who were, were in terrible form all at sea at that moment in time. The other two teams you've beaten? Norwich. And Watford. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really worrying. And I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what can new happen goalkeeper. at any level. <laughs> well, you can't bring a new goalkeeper in, until in January, January, until Fabianski should be but, fit by then anyway. But I don't think sacking Manuel Pellegrini is do the it, solution. I don't know. I mean, I think the whole responsibility of what's gone wrong has to be pinned on the director of football, who on one hand has recruited some great players. I think Haller will prove to be a good signing. I think Fornells will not prove to be a good signing. Roberto certainly won't prove to be a good signing. But you look at the players we let go in the summer. Abangyang left, wasn't replaced. Adrian left, was replaced by Roberto. Chikorito, Andy Carroll, Arnautovic, all allowed to leave the club mm-hmm. with Haller being brought in as a replacement. There just wasn't any sense of full planning. So what's the, what point does it get to for West Ham when they go, actually, we're in real trouble here and we, they change the manager? Because I don't well, think I don't, he'll... I don't know what difference it would make. I That's don't the think thing. he'll do the full season. And who's the next guy who's going to come in? I've always been very supportive of West Ham managers. Uh, you have, to be fair. And like, years I've known you. Through, through the, I, I, I don't see the point of making changes for the sake of making changes. And my concern is, if uh, Manuel Pellegrini leaves, then we're going to end up with another David Moyes or another Sam Allardyce. But, or another one of those footballing dinosaurs. But, but if the you're in is, January, yeah. you might need a Sam Allardyce to come in. But this is the thing. No the, one needs a Sam Allardyce. But you, but you need, you need a, a, an escape specialist, don't you? Yeah. Well, mm. get the cliche bell ready. People always say, judge the table, it starts to take shape after 10 games. <laughs> We're now 12 games in, and the table has taken absolutely no shape whatsoever. No. So now we can dispel that cliche from ever being a cliche it's so again. T- it is all so tight, and but, a couple but, of wins. But this is what I mean Manchester United, with their victory over Brighton, that propelled them seven places mm. up the Premier League table. They went from 14th to 7th in one weekend. And that's now, probably the right place as well. We haven't seen that. For a long, long time in the Premier League, that sort of jump. West Ham have got minus six goal difference, so they won't. But let's just say they beat uh, Tottenham Hotspur next weekend. They go above Seven Spurs nil. and they go up to however many points, 16 points. And the world will and seem that, a rosier which, place. Which, which is so now, that puts them top half. That would put them 10th. Mm. It would put them 10th in their current goal difference. The last two games so have you... really worried me. I think the performances in those last two games, it's not just... Yes. It, it, the complete lack. In fact, the last three games, Everton, Newcastle and... Uh, who did play this weekend? Completely got it out of my head. Burnley. But it's all yeah, about bottle, isn't it? You look at the table and, like I say, the table's not taking any shape right now. You look at the table and you see, oh, West Ham are in 16th. They've not won in five. They're in big trouble. But one win, yeah, one win, even a draw, could take you to where Burnley are or you know, or to where Spurs are right now. Those next so, three games are incredibly no, important for no West Ham No one thinks now. Spurs are in danger and they're not exactly playing great. Well, they've that, they've that, not won what, in that's five what I said. That's what I said. You know, you'd expect Tottenham, Everton... West Ham to to over the course of the mm. season to to be above those positions, which makes it about Villa, Watford, and, and Newcastle for me. No, but, sorry. Did, did you want to throw anyone else into the relegation battle? Any other comments in, other than who we've mentioned so far? Don't think so. All I would say is keep a close eye on Crystal Palace. They seem to be escaping everyone's attention. They were in the top six for the first few weeks of the season, first couple of months. We were saying, how is Roy Hodgson doing it? You say West Ham have a thin squad. I think Crystal Palace have an equally thin mm. squad. 
I'm not sure how they'll cope in January. Usually they tend to make signings in January. That seems to be what Crystal Palace do. I don't know why. Uh, but Congested market, I just think? I just think that we said they were going to drop off. They're just starting to show signs of that. Their fixtures coming up aren't exactly great. They've got Liverpool, their first game back after the international break. They've now lost three out of their last four. Yeah, they've got Liverpool, then they've got Burnley away, and then they've got Bournemouth at home. Yeah, so, so they've got teams around them in the table, yeah. and if they don't pick up results there, I think you could see them dropping yeah, pretty it's good quickly. Shout. It's good shout. So I don't not saying Palace are in danger of immediate relegation right now, but no more at risk as any of the other teams we've discussed. Let's wrap up with a little bit of chat about Brendan Rodgers, who is being linked with the Arsenal job. It was Jose Mourinho last week. It's now Brendan Rodgers this week after Leicester City beat Arsenal 2-0 at the weekend. Could You're shaking your head, Steve. You're saying Brendan Rodgers will not leave Leicester City to go to Arsenal. Is that because... Arsenal could do better or because Brendan Rodgers would be insane to leave Leicester City? I think that's absolute <laughs> I'm going to be honest. And I might get a beep out of that when we, uh, we edit this. But yep. I just think... <laughs> I just think, why would you leave Leicester? You know, you're second in the league table. You know, you've got a great squad of players there. You've got a, a good fan base. You've got uh, a, a really nice stadium you're playing in each week. You've got money to spend should you need it because mm. you're backed by the owners. Everything at Leicester is going well for them in a minute. This is what I was pondering on the tram into the sports studio office this morning as I was thinking about it. It's like, thousand yards who's, there. Who's, the big, who's the bigger club now? Are Leicester now a bigger club than Come Arsenal? On. They've won the Premier League That's more recently. Come it's on. a more settled team. They've got a nice stadium. Stop. They're You're trying to wind Fergal up. <laughs> Fergal will be on the podcast I, I, at some point this week. I don't normally side with Paul Merson, but as he's a Pompey legend, I'm going to have to at this moment in time. Um, <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, Leicester at this moment in time is a great place to be. And we spoke about it on yesterday's review show about their recruitment policy has been magnificent. Yeah, they've super. lost their best players. N'Golo Conte, they've brought in Ndidi, who's been brilliant. Um, they've lost Maguire. Suyinchu looks like Maguire never even played for Leicester in the first place. Danny Drinkwater Danny at the Drink- time would have yeah, been, been replaced. And, 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 you know, Tielemans, brilliant player. And they've just recruited really, really well. The problem is, how long can you keep having your best players pinched and still be successful? Well, how long do they and have use to Southamp- have that? I use Southampton as an example because over the last eight years, they've had their best player taken pretty much every season. By and, Liverpool. And now they're starting to suffer for it. But aren't Leicester building something that means their best players won't be cherry-picked possibly, off anymore because they're but, building something more significant? Possibly, but legacy takes time. And what you're saying is, are Leicester a bigger club than Arsenal? The answer is no. Until they win another five Premier League titles, which is why, unfortunately, I'm going to have to side with Paul Merson's opinion. <laughs> but Leicester fans have got a lot to be positive about and enjoy the ride, enjoy mm. the moment. They never expected to win the Premier League three years ago in 2016. And they probably weren't expecting to be in the Champions League this season. They thought they might get into Europe with Brendan Rodgers and some exciting players. But they're in the Champions League and I think they will finish in the Champions League if they carry on this way. Like I said, it takes time to build legacy. And is Brendan Rodgers going to get more opportunity to win at Arsenal in terms of silverware and trophies? Mm than he is at Leicester. At this moment in time, the answer would be no, because Leicester certainly look in a better position to win. But maybe if but they said... over a period of time, it... and that's if the Arsenal board are prepared to give it to him, that might be more of a, of a beneficial situation for him. I agree with Steve, though. I don't think Rodgers will leave Leicester. I and I, I think it's a bizarre it. link. It's the international it's, yeah, break, and weird. I think that's part of it. In it's terms weird. of Rodgers as a manager, though, would he... I mean, we've seen him pretty much rebuild his reputation at Celtic and Leicester. But him is a. I mean, there's certain clubs have certain styles of football, right? Yeah. So if you're a Manchester United manager, you're expected to play fast attacking wingers, for example. If you're an Arsenal manager, you're supposed to be Barcelona light, essentially. You're supposed yeah. to play like tiki taka attractive football. You've seen Brendan Rodgers at Liverpool. He's not a manager who 
changes his style depending on which club he's at. Would his type of football fit the Arsenal mould? Yes. I think it would. I think it's football that they'd like. He'd make him, you know, Brendan Rodgers' teams, you know, they've got good foundations to them. They play exciting football. He's, I think he's a big club manager. Um, I think he did a really good job at Liverpool. Yes, he was kind of helped along by having the likes of Luis Suarez in his team and Felipe Coutinho and players like that. But there was a, a lot of average players in that Liverpool side. There was a lot of average players. And you got very close to the title. So close to doing it. The problem, and I think where he's learned, is the reason he lost the Liverpool job was his ego. The board just had enough of him in the end. And that was why, you know, they, they decided. Because I think, I'd have to double check this, but I'm sure we drawn a Merseyside derby at Goodison Park mm. and he got sacked an hour after it. We've just drawn a derby, you know. It's not, and we weren't in a bad position in the league at the time. The board had simply had enough of the way he was carrying on, and the fact that because they'd had a bit of success at Liverpool, and they'd come quite close to winning the league. Klopp was that, available, and and Klopp was available. They just thought, you know what? We've had. I mean, there's a famous story going round about, um, you know, there's a piece of paper passed to him, um, or, or or a document from the club's board, and it had Mario Balotelli's name on it, and um, and and obviously they've gone on a signing for sixteen million quid. And, you know, you might as well have put it down on the outside if we're going to be quite <laughs> frank about it. But what he's actually apparently done is he's passed the document back back to the board in a meeting and just drawn a crown over Balotelli's name and just give it him back. And the board is just going, we just can't work with this guy anymore. And, you know, because he's just, his ego has got out of control. Yeah. Um, and I think he's gone up to Celtic and been uber successful. And he's, he's like you quite rightly said, he's rebuilt his reputation. And he's gone to Leicester and he's doing it again. You know, so for me, wherever he goes, he does a great job because he did a good job at Swansea as well, as we know, mm. um, got them up um, in, into the Premier League. And I just think that, yes, would he fit Arsenal? Absolutely. Would he Is the right guy for Arsenal? Yes, he would. Would he go to Arsenal and leave the job that he's in now? No. Um, could I, I tell you where I could see him, and it's a bit of a bold statement, I could see him at Man United in the future. And he's also been able to keep Jamie Vardy fresh. Ten goals this season. I mean, Jamie Evergreen. Vardy says, Evergreen. He says that he feels that he's in as good as form as he ever has been. More goals than any other striker since Rodgers took over at Leicester. Brilliant. Which Absolutely is an insane brilliant. statistic. Yeah, he's playing uh, yeah. really well. Leicester, Leicester look like a good side, and you know, long may it continue for them and their supporters, particularly after a difficult year for them last year mm. with, with Kumbi Chai getting sadly killed in that helicopter accident. It was a difficult year for Leicester, um, and I think that that he's building a team that Leicester fans and the uh, the late chairman would be proud of. So good on Leicester, and I hope it continues for and him. And if they get Champions League at the end of the season as well, massive achievement, massive achievement yeah. for him. And it's like, why would you leave Leicester? Why would you? Any players, Champions League football, good manager, but it's. I think he's done a great job, and hats off to him. There you go, Brendan Rodgers to Arsenal. Good shout, but it ain't gonna happen, according to these boys. That is it for Football Social Daily. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to catch up with any of the action from yesterday's games or the weekend's Premier League games, you can do so on your smart speaker. Just say, Alexa, open Sports Social and tell me about and tell us which game you want to hear about and you'll get a little 60-second update on everything that went on in that game. Make sure you hit subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode of this. We'll be back tomorrow with another Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. 